Harlem's what I'm rapping. Tell my niggas switch the bitch and we gon' make it in a second. Never disrespected. Plus I'm well connected with this coke that I imported. Just important as your president. Swagger so impressive. And I don't need a necklace, but these bitches get impressed when you pull up in that seven. Them sixes, them beans is I get gets the fresh years. Rav Simmons, Rick Owens, usually what I'm dressed in. Blowing blunts, rolling doobies up, smoking section, groupies rush. Ole boobies up in my direction Quit with all the front and you ain't run my click for nothing Cause our presence is a present Just to kick it is a blessing This is a way to go This is a way to go Cause every day I This is a way to go This is a way to go Cause every day I Gun crack, gun shot, gonna lick a boy. Gun crack, gun shot, gonna lick a boy. Gun crack, gun shot, gonna lick a boy. Hello world, back again. DMP Volume 31. It's our Reggie Miller episode. Today is Wednesday, October 6, 2021. And Alex, how you doing? Man, it is Halloween time. It is spooky season. It is um, good time of the year. I got to ask you, what is your best Halloween costume that you've ever had? That I ever wore? Yeah, it crossed my mind today, so I had to ask. But It's a great question. Um, it's, a, it's a tough one because I wasn't a huge Halloween kid growing up. I was like the kid that would beg my mom, like, don't, don't make me dress up. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. I'm not creative. I don't have ideas and shit. Your brother um, didn't get the candy. <laughs> yeah, pretty damn much. My brother like thrives in Halloween. It's like his favorite shit. Um, complete opposite. But uh, man, I'm probably just going to have to go with like a good old grown up costume. Probably when uh, Guy Fieri at the mansion holiday party. I'd probably have to go with that one. How about you? <laughs> I'll put you on the spot with that one. Um Dude, Guy Fieri was up there. For me, I've got two that come to mind. So more recently, it was a last-minute decision, but I pulled off a Salt Bay, which you're very well aware of. Oh, yeah, that um, was a fire costume. Dude. That was up for me. For me, once I got into college, I had a beard. And so, like, anything that I was dressed up as, like, either I was an awkward person that doesn't actually have a beard and had one, or I was, like, for example, like, Tiger Woods with a beard. So nothing up until that ever looked good um i wouldn't say i'm like the biggest halloween guy but i still enjoy a costume from time to time my best one was i convinced my parents to get me a scorpion mask from from uh, mortal Kombat. so i dressed up as scorpion the mask was from the store the rest of the outfit was homemade shout out moms the thing was fire but that was the go-to for me actually now that you said that that is sick shout out gina b um, my aunt made me the f- most fire Halloween costumes when I was a kid. I was probably kicking and screaming to put them on, but she definitely made me a uh, like a Luke Skywalker Jedi in training costume, and she made me a fucking paper mache Yoda to put on my back, and it looked just like little ass Yoda. Fucking fire! So, yeah, unbelievable. She's like the craftiest lady of all time. So shout out Aunt Gigi. Um, she did make sick costumes for me and my brother. My brother is really the king of Halloween. Like. He's yeah. had so many good ones. He's been Ace Ventura, 
the Riddler, like he just crushes Halloween. So older brother not, thing, I feel like they just know. What yeah, to do. for for sure. Not necessarily yeah. my speed, but uh, I've grown to like it more as I've gotten older. So mm-hmm. we'll say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had an important uh, important day on Monday, first preseason game of the year. We finally got a good look, or a look at least, at this new Warrior squad. Um, we're putting the past behind us. We're putting last year's woes and awkward lineups and weird filler players behind us. It kind of finally seems like we have a team that we can build on um, and that we're comfortable with and play the kind of basketball that we want to and kind of we're meant to play. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think last year the, the term I use consistently was just like, cautiously optimistic i think last year i predicted us to finish in the seventh seed um i'm always the type to overreact and so after watching last night like i am overreacting overreacting like hell but no man it's just what we always wanted we've got some vets we've got people that know how to play nba basketball and um extremely small sample size but last night was fun to watch it was. It was indeed. <clears throat> There's a few kind of storylines I feel like are going around this season uh, with this team. So maybe just want to run through some of those, bounce them off yeah. you, see what you think. Let's um, do it. So first one is, I think, kind of like the battle for the 15th spot, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like going into training camp, the whole word was, or at least the rumblings that I've read on Twitter, was that it was Gary Payton, number two's spot to lose, that he really did impress coaches. He played well in the summer league. And uh, he was comfortable in the system and the coaches were comfortable with him. So going into it, that kind of seemed like uh, he was somewhat of a shoe in for the 15th spot. However, if you didn't notice, Gary Payton did not play last night um, or excuse me, Monday night, because he is getting over and recovering from a hernia. Now, I guess he's had a history of sports hernias in the past, but this one is a uh, career, excuse me for butchering the pronunciation, but I believe it's the inguinal uh, hernia, whatever that means. So obviously I had to turn to my right-hand man on Twitter, Dr. Narav Pindaya, our favorite Twitter doctor. Shout out Narav. I knew, I just knew that he would have the explanation on his Twitter feed. And sure enough, he quote tweeted Anthony Slater's tweet. Uh, so Anthony Slater said, official word from the Warriors on GP2. Uh, ingenial hernia repair several weeks ago, not a sports hernia will be reevaluated in a week, not too far away from a return, but clock is ticking on the 15th roster spot. Now our favorite sports doctor quote tweeted that and said, nice clarification. This is when part of the intestine pokes through a weak spot in the abdomen, typically avoid strenuous activities for four to six weeks from surgery, different than the sports hernia he had per reports back in 2016. So I've never had a hernia myself. Sounds like a very painful hernias scare the fuck out of me. Let me just, let me me just put that on the record. I don't know. That's one of those injuries that like, I think I view it as a thing that's much more intense than it is, but it scares the living shit out of me. Let me just put that on record. I'm terrified of a hernia. As am I. And I feel like I've known (laughs) a few people here and there that have had them. Uh, And it's just weird, man. Like, on a lot of people, I, I know that like if they lift up their shirt, wherever their hernia is, you see something poking out. And obviously it's the, uh, it's part of your intestine. That's poking that thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. No. So <laughs> pretty scary stuff. As far as I'm concerned, anytime you're messing with 
intestines and abdomens and shit like that. No good. Um, but it is also a bummer just for Gary Payton that he's really behind the eight ball now. Uh, luckily he does have a big sample size with the organization. So it's not like they're bringing him in like Langston Galloway, you know what I mean? And then he yeah. gets hurt. They have been able to see him in different types of action. So that's good. But uh, Avery Bradley did play last night and I'd love to get your take on how you thought he played. Um, so I loved it. Played a good amount of time. Uh, Played 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So the way I look at it is this, like, I think Avery Bradley is probably the best 15th man you can ever get. Um, like I think for what he brings to the table, I know he was a late signing. I know we've had most of the roster filled out. Um, I would be furious if he does not play or does not make the team. I say all that to say we should not be looking at him to put as much as many shots up as he did. Um, he came out chucking as quiet as it's kept. He's not a good shooter. I do think it's part of the system. Um, and I was looking at like watching the game last night. There was two people that I felt like were purposely left open, Andrew Wiggins and Avery Bradley. Um, Bradley's number showed he was three of nine from the field, one of six from the three. He's going to get those looks. He's not a good shooter, but his defense and just his like veteran leadership, it's, it's too much to just be like, we're going to give a shot to Mulder. We're going to give a shot to Gary Payton. Hell, we're going to give a shot to Damian Lee for that matter. So I think Avery Badley is a goddamn, it should be a lock in my opinion. Um, I didn't know going into the game that GP2 had a hernia. Um, I actually honestly forgot about him. Um, mm. But I would hate for that spot to be like – I just don't think everybody should be competing for the 15th spot. I'll leave it at that. I agree. And I think that we're kind of getting into semantics when we're referring to it as the 15th spot. Technically, the way you look at it, everybody else on the on the roster is under contract except for – Avery Bradley, Gary Payton, too, and Langston Galloway, right? They are yeah. competing for the last spot on the team. However, if Avery Bradley makes the team, there is no chance he's going to be the 15th man, the last man off the bench. He's right. getting minutes over Moody. He's getting minutes over Kaminga. He's getting minutes probably over Damian Lee and maybe Mulder. some other players, too. Yeah. Mulder, yeah, for sure. Uh, Mulder, I think, is competing for that, that 15th spot as well. Yeah, if not, right, we've got right. to pull some weird cut resign two-way, something like that. Um, but quiet it's, as it's kept, I mean, we'll get into uh, my uh, how proud I am at my, at my baby boy, Jordan Poole. But I think that there's a good chance that Avery, Avery Bradley could end up starting at some point this season before Clay comes back. I mean, obviously, yeah. Jordan Poole erupted for a unbelievable 30 points, seven for, what do you go, seven for 13 from three yesterday? Or on a Monday night, excuse me. Seven for but, 13, uh, yep. Shot, shot the lights out, played with crazy confidence. However, he did get beat on the defensive end yeah. multiple times, and it's still his Achilles heel. And when you run out a starting lineup with Steph Curry in the backcourt, you're probably going to want a two-guard that's going to compliment him. And the best compliment to him would be someone who can make up for his lack of defense. So what are your thoughts on maybe, obviously – I think it's kind of a formality at this point, whether or not Avery Bradley makes the team, but if he does, 
What are your thoughts on him starting versus Jordan Poole? Do you bring Jordan Poole off the bench uh, at the beginning of the season just so you kind of solidify him in his six-man role before Clay comes back? That way you're not yo-yoing him. Do you leave him off the leash and let him go and have Avery get in there and kind of like balance out the offense defense with Steph? What is your take? It's actually a really good point. I didn't think about that. I think like, so what's great about Poole is like his work ethic is so high and great that like on ball defensively, he's not bad. Like he's serviceable, but as the off ball, it's like he got beat on back doors every couple possessions. He gets um, caught napping. He gets caught. He gets caught for sure. And so, like, obviously, Poole's never going to take the spot over Clay. And so, like, I don't hate that, to be honest. I didn't think about that. I think, like, what Bradley brings to the table is another ball handler, um, hell of a defender, like, his ability just to, like, get steals, put pressure on people. Obviously, we're not asking for Steph to do that. And, like, I don't know if we can sacrifice Jordan Poole's production offensively for Bradley's production defensively and lack of production offensively. Because I do think, like, our system is built around team defense. And so it's, like, it's like Poole, like, get – I think you can fix his off-ball flaws more than you can fix, like, Dude, you're just a liability. I don't think he's at that point yet where he's just a liability um, because he had he he tries hard. He's a good on he's a good enough on ball defender. Um, and the thing that like the first thing I, I the first thing I noticed just watching like Jordan Poole go off, I'm just like, this is the first time we've seen Steph just get an open look off ball in two and a half years. And um, I think that is the most important piece to the offense is can we take pressure off of, of Steph? And I think like, obviously Clay does that previous years. Everybody did that for him. Um, we'll get to wingers in a little bit, but I think that is more important than like our backcourt defense. I think those flaws can be made up for with how good of a defender Draymond is obviously like, I think Looney's really good interior defensively. And I think Wiggins, he's an on ball guy, but I think we can make up for pools, you know, preseason flaws on back doors and off ball um, for how much he brings to the table offensively. Definitely agree with you. I mean, I'm not going to lobby against my baby boy getting a starting <laughs> role. I, I mean, <laughs> just throwing out for the conversation. But no, no, no. But like, it was. I, you, you made a good point because it's like, it's, dude, I would think that, like, I think that's a hell, like, a great argument of like, Poole's not going to be our starter all, all year. Like, he's going to have to take a, a six man role. And it's like, do you want to mold him into accepting that role? And like, okay, how can you come off the bench with the second unit? Because as a sixth man, you're not going to be taking off the pressure of Steph every night or every or every like rotation. Um, totally. Yeah. I... Well, let's get into Jordan Poole. Yeah. I mean, he looked incredible. He looked incredible on Monday night. He came out. This is the most confident, uh, I mean, decisive, just quick that he's looked in a long hey. time. Catching the ball 
making a move, knowing what he wanted to do with it. He wasn't wasting any time, any dribbles. I mean, the range looked incredible. Like mm -hmm. you could really tell that, that he's been working in the off season as he always does. Shout out to Chris DeMarco, head of player develop player development. I think they have a really good bond, which makes it even easier for Jordan to stay in the gym. Um, but man, I mean, he just looks so good. He really did take a lot of attention and pressure off of Steph. He didn't feel the need to get going. I mean, you could tell last year from watching the games how much of a burden and how heavy Steph's back looked because he knew he was the only guy out there. He was the only one to produce. He was the only one that's done it. And I mean, just the amount of confidence that Jordan was exuding last night was incredible, I thought. Yeah, and I think, like, given Steph's age and everything, like, he sort of needs to start moving into that role. Like, that, like, I can't do every single thing just to yeah. get us in the playoffs. Um, and so, like, you need to lean on Poole. You need to lean on Wiggins. You need to lean on the bench. And I think, like, Poole knows how big of an opportunity he has. Like, you can obviously tell. It, it started in this whole offseason with, like, the programs, um, just everything. Like, he knows this is his time to fucking take it to home. And, yep. I mean, he had that streak in April where he didn't shoot too well, but, like, I just don't see him. Like, if he goes on a cold streak, like, it won't be for long. He's got too pure of a jump shot. He has too many different ways to score at all three levels. Um, and, I mean, to put up five boards, five assists, um, one steal, like, he plus 21, best plus minus on the floor, 30 points in 22 minutes. Um, yeah, they took he's him gonna, out with, what, five minutes left in the third? He already had 30 he didn't points. Play, yeah, he didn't play the fourth quarter. Like, he is – he's going to get those looks, and it's not going to be for another six months before their people are going to start game planning for him. Because it's going to be Steph. It's going to be Wiggins. Um, right. Like, when Clay comes back, they're going to put everything on him. And you can even roll out, take Wiggins off on the bench and, and roll out the Steph, Clay, and, and Poole. And, like, they will hold their own. Like, I, I am so high on Poole. Like, we'll get into predictions on another episode, but you can already mm -hmm. guess he's probably on both of our MIP lists. But definitely, at the end of the day, like, that was – it's what we need. And there was in his style of play and how he played, like there's enough confidence where it's like, that's going to carry over. Like that's not just like a flash in the pan for preseason. That's going to carry over into the whole year. Absolutely. And you made a great point just by breaking down the way he was scoring. I mean, it wasn't just deep range, like getting to the rim, the footwork, like the, the combo dribbles that he had, it was, um, can you actually do me a favor and edit in, our favorite uh, podcaster describing what a Hooper is back to the basket oh face up to spin <laughs> off one leg off two. <laughs> That's all I could think of when I was watching him get to the rim last night was that fucking guy in my ear. I'm fucking crying. Doing That's shit. so funny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that in. Um, oh my God. I'm just going to cut and edit but, that in. <laughs> from a standpoint of finishing, being aggressive, getting to the cup, throwing it down, getting to the line, making your free throws, your mid-range game, who you are at the elbow, your face-up game, your back-to-the-basket game, um, you know, your ability to shoot the turnaround jumper over both shoulders, your one-dribble pull-up, your two-dribble pull-up, your pump fakes, getting a guy up in the air, your touch around the basket, your left hand, your ability to pass the ball, all this, that passing shit, <laughs> it comes real easy to a pure hooper like this. I promise you. <laughs> Please do. <clears throat> um, but no, he looked great. I mean, it was nice to see 
uh, Kerr have so many kind and like just confident words about him in the post game. Like obviously he's he sees ecstatic, the work that he puts man. in. He's he loves so happy. It. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sure Bob feels like a million bucks. It looks like he's finally going to hit on one of his fucking draft picks. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, Jordan looked great. It looks like he's probably going to be holding down that starting spot until Clay comes back. Uh, once he gets back in December or so, he'll probably move into that six man. And who knows, man, maybe he'll be up for a, a six God award this year. I don't know. I mean, fuck, uh, um, he, he placed last year and that's off of like a sample size of like 25 games. Um, yeah, last thing on pool is just like his style of play and like a lot of his shots were like off ball catch and shoot threes. And it's like you look at our bench and point guards and whether that's Iguodala getting in the ball, whether that's um, fuck to JTA getting in the ball, Avery Bradley, like we have people that can distribute off the bench that know how to do that. And he's going to be the focal point off the bench when Clay's out. And it's just like, that's, we haven't had something like this. And since like Monte coming off the bench in like, Oh eight, when it's like, Holy shit, who is this young dude? Yeah. Who's this I spark? couldn't be happier. I couldn't be. Oh, more man. Excited. You're getting me even so, more pumped right now. <laughs> yeah. That's like, that's what it brought me back to. I'm like, damn, this is like Monte back in 08 when that you believe bit, who's this yeah. young kid. Yeah. What mm-hmm. a good call. Yeah. Um, jumping around another, another kind of storyline I feel like is going to be talked about a lot this year. We saw it, I think it was in the first quarter, Steph got the ball up at the, uh, (laughs) up at the three point line, had a little pump fake, did his classic Steph Curry move that he's been doing for what, five, six years now that the entire league has adopted, jumped into the defender behind the three point line, chucked up a shot last year. It would have been three free throws this year. It was a no call. Um, what are your thoughts on the change of the rule, how it's going to impact the game, how it's going to impact Steph specifically? So what's crazy is, like, I feel like because of how much he did it last year, they, like, coined it as, like, his move. But I've never really thought of him as that, like, type of player. I think he just realized and got pissed off that, like, every other guard is doing this and getting to the line, so I'm going to do it. Um can't beat him, join him. Yeah, and so, like, I don't see it as, like, the Steph Curry. I, I wouldn't put it on any players. Like, that's their move. Like, Harden has his own style of drawing fouls. Like, Trey Young has his own style of drawing fouls. I think Steph's is the most, like, egregious. I feel like he purposely does it, and it's so obvious that he's trying to do it. Um, and it's incredible because Steph will make it, like, 30% of the time. Yeah, like, so James Harden. Like, Harden's style is, like, I'm going to jump forward and land and you're going to be in my spot and I'm going to fall. Trey Young does the whole, like, I'm going to get in front of you and shoot it while you're like running up behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take a few, like he's going to just have a few instances where he's going to try it. I think he's just so used to doing it. Um, but again, like I think his need to do those sort of created like shot creation plays they're going to limit a little bit to what we're more used to seeing from him. So I think he's going to keep trying it. We'll see it throughout the year a couple times here and there. Kerr's going to laugh, but I don't think it's going to like affect him in any way necessarily. Um, it's just going to be funny to watch his. him. He's going to, it's going to be funny to watch him do it. 
he might make one or two throughout the year, which would be hilarious. But yeah, yeah, it, it caught my attention. I didn't think too much of it, though. What about you? Yeah. Uh, it was just kind of interesting to me that I feel like that was a storyline in the preseason, right? I feel like I saw it going around. TV, oh, they highlighted media. him. I think they used him in like videos for the refs. So like, don't let this happen. Definitely. So I was under the impression that the players would kind of know coming into this year. All right. Like party's over. We're not really going to be able to get away with shit like we were. So I was surprised that after Steph got the, there was a no call that he fought it for like an entire uh, timeout. It looked like he was kind of chewing the ref's ear off, which I just don't even know what he would have to argue. Like it was clearly the type of play that they said they're not going to be calling anymore. I was just surprised that like, Steph is such a passive dude. It just surprised like Draymond, I would imagine, would be more in their ear than Steph. And it looked like Steph was kind of grinding him for an entire uh, timeout. I just think he was trying to get some looks. I don't know. I think he – I feel like he's at a point in his career where he's just like, I know I'm the fucking shit and I know I'm the man. And, like, I know I get hacked throughout the whole game. Yeah. And so a lot of it is like built around frustration, whether he's like missing or not getting looks. And um, I mean, at the like they are fouls. He's getting someone to jump and he's moving into them. So it's like you have the right, right to argue it. He's not going to get it. And so argue it all you want. But yeah. Yeah. I just, I mean, Steph's always been one. Like he just gets fouled so hard, partly due to his size, partly due to how good of a shooter he is. Um Hardly him fucking dancing on people when he makes a 50-footer. Yeah, and I think he should – I mean, regardless if they call it or not, you should still fight it. I think it's worth, like – because if you get that in the head of the ref, the next time you do it, they're going to call it. So Sure. That's true. That's a good point. Um, who do we got? Otto Porter, another new addition to the team. Where I was Uncle, happy as hell to see him, dude. Uncle Otto. Uh, he was quoted after the game – as saying this is the best he's felt physically in years, which is amazing to hear. Uh, that was, I think, the biggest question surrounding him when we signed him. I think that's why he didn't command a bigger contract. It's because of all the health and injury issues that he's been having. Um, and the whole thing was, yeah, sounds like a great signing if he's available. If he's going to be able to suit up and play on a nightly basis, it's a steal. And he also like handpicked the Warriors, too. Like He could have got a definitely. bigger deal somewhere. Um, he's he only 28 years player. old. He's very young. People forget. He's only he, 28 years old. And he did what? Two years at Georgetown, I think. He's picked third overall in 2013. So that means he did. Just yeah, feels like say, he's been in the league much longer than that. I know. Maybe it's because he's bounced around the last few years from DC, Chicago, Orlando, and now finally here. Yeah. Um, he did two years, two years in at, at Georgetown. Um, Dude, he's – I mean, everybody said it. If healthy, he is perfect. I mean, he was he was a huge pickup for the Bulls when they traded him from Washington because he had that one year in Washington before he got hurt where he was like – Shut the lights out. Unreal shooter. And you saw it mm-hmm. last night, four, seven from the three, five and nine overall. Um, plus, he was a minus three, which that's when you kind of like – shoot like brush off plus minus but he put up 19 points second highest score on the team and mm-hmm. he's a hell of a shooter a great defender and hey, if he's saying this is the best he felt i think there's about 60 percent of that just being like damn i'm finally on a good team 
Yeah, probably. So. <laughs> probably like, so. I, that's like the Nick Batum in, in, in LA. Like, I'm finally on a good team, man. I do not feel any sort of pain. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I expect him to average about 20 minutes or so. Um, he's just what a pickup. That's just like by far the best pick pickup of the year. And we're gonna see it again, assuming he stays healthy. Um, I was so impressed by him. Me too. And if you look down the road, if he does stay healthy, like theoretically, he could be an unbelievable seventh, eighth man off the bench. Yeah. And he can he can play, I don't know if two man, through four. You, you can replace Wiggins with him if you need to. Like his oh, absolutely. Like, if, anybody, if you don't like, <laughs> like yeah. No, you're totally right. And just looking at the additions this year to the the players we had last year, like he fits. He fits the mm. system. He does well what, what we like to do. He's not Kelly Oubre, and that's no shade to Kelly Oubre. But, I mean, we kind of, like, stood up for him a lot last year. Very <laughs> clearly, he did not fit the system. He wasn't that type of player for the most part. Otto Porter does look like that type of guy. He looks yeah. like the type of player to thrive in the open system with ball movement and all that kind of rotation. So it, it, it looked good in his first game. I think he's going to continue to look good. He's going to be versatile on the defensive end, which is huge. Um. Yeah, man, I'm pumped. Otto looked good. Yeah, and he he'll he'll go through some streaks like everybody will. Like I just don't. I think he's going to be one of those players where he's been around enough, he's played in enough big games where it's like you can just count on him. Sure, he's not going to put up 19 points, you know, every time he gets out there, but right. he'll get close to 20 minutes and he'll put up, he'll hit those shots. He can also score like off the ball and like get some mid range jumpers too. Um. Yeah, I'm huge on him. He was – it's just – I feel like the last two years have felt like 10 years in the sense of like, damn, we've done nothing but like cry and just complain over just players that should not be out there. And we finally have vets. We finally have players that know how to play. And, again, it's one game, but it was just like really refreshing to see like, damn, we're getting production from other people for once. It feels great. It does. And just to piggyback off of that, getting production from other people and new people on the team. Uh, what do they call him? Belly? Nemanja Bielica? <laughs> European player. David Lee. He looked like David Lee out there. <laughs> he, I can't watch it. I was like, during the game. damn, he it looks, looks like he moves like him. But he's got he a does. Jimmy. Yep. Euro D. Lee. He looked, he looked great. Uh, another guy, tall guy, floor spacing big. Um Euro player, so like he doesn't necessarily play center, but he's like just dirty enough to hang with the guys down low. He had a has a really good jumper, showed it last uh, on Monday night. I think he shot two for three from three, ended up with six points, six assists, four rebounds. Uh, I mean, he's got great vision, really good passing out of the post. Great passer, really really good passer. Um, also, looks like another guy that is just fun to play with, makes the right play makes the game easier for everyone else. And now that we finally have another floor spacing big or a floor spacing big, I think it's going to be really huge for Steve Kerr's system. And I mean, he said in his post game on Monday night, we haven't had a floor spacing big like this since he dropped the name Mo Buckets. And <laughs> every time, every time Mo Spades is brought up, it just cracks me up, especially because there was that whole, storyline of like that was a big reason KD was salty 
in those years because he thought that the Warriors fans were more loyal to most spades than him. <laughs> Um, and I mean, everybody had Mo Buckets fever. He was fun to watch. He made some decently big shots. Yeah. So it's, it's a funny comparison to hear belly and Mo Spates, but man, another guy who just like, is going to be, make our bench so much deeper. You could plug him in at the four or the five. He's going to bring shooting off the bench. He's going to bring great passing rebounding. I love it. Yeah. The, the great thing about him and Porter specifically is we're grabbing people from terrible organizations and they couldn't be more excited to play a with a good player now bielicha played you know half a season last year in miami but miami was not the miami we're used to and so and he was injured and he was injured so i think like him being on a new team that he kind of hand selected through free agency um surprisingly enough much a much better interior defender than I figured he would be. I think like, obviously now we're in a, a league where there's no positions and you can be a, you know, six ten, six nine, like spread out center. Um, but I mean, shit, man, like without Wiseman. And even if we have Wiseman, like we can count on Bialich and JTA to be our interior defenders. And I'm okay with that. Like that, like me too, you know what you're going to get with Juan. And like with Bialicha, like he's at that old vet rage where he can just like muscle people and he's crafty enough to know how to play interior defense without needing to like block shots and get rebounds. Um, and then you spread him out and he can hit a, a, a three pointer at, at, at will pretty much, which, which makes it funny for how you compare him to Spades. Cause like, Space splitting up Tracy's, and you're like, Whoa, what are you doing, man? Yeah, uh, so sure. and he yeah. was a king of long twos as well. He wasn't really oh, taking Tracy's, you know, 19 footers on deck, so yeah, stepping <laughs> right inside that line. Um, yeah, but yeah, brings another really, really good piece off the bench, another like pretty wise vet. I think he was a rookie when he was like 27 years old, so he's he's an elder statesman, I think he's like 34 or something now. Yeah. Um, another guy, just like you mentioned, Otto Porter really wanted to come to the Warriors. He was another guy, chose this organization probably over other, maybe even more lucrative opportunities. Um, and I mean, if you look at it this way, I'm just looking at last year's roster. If you look at like some of the key subtractions and additions, it's really exciting to think about. And if you yeah. look at last year and you say we got rid of Eric Pascal, Kelly Oubre, and Kent Bazemore, and you say we brought in Avery Bradley, Otto Porter Jr., and Bielitsa. I'm grinning from ear to ear. Yeah. I mean, that's that's <laughs> insane. Like, to replace Pascal with Bielitsa, to replace Baysmore with Porter. And, like, yeah, that's – it's what we've wanted when building out the roster. Um, and, like, we haven't even, even touched on what the hell to do with Wiggins and the Rooks. And so it's like, there's a lot of promise. I think with these signings, we still have like, we're still doing this like develop for the long term, but when now, but I think we can do a seven, eight man roster of quote unquote win now. Again, huge if people stay healthy. Um, But I feel confident in that. Like, I think that's, it's not your on paper Lakers, Nuggets, Nets, Bucks, but if they find a way to gel, which it looks like last night they were, you know, 
they're all vets. They know how to play together. They know how to figure out a system. Um, like it, it gives me confidence. Like that they, they compete, they can compete for a top five seed in the West. And you know, if the cards fall where they need to be, um, they can end up competing for uh, conference finals. Absolutely. And another guy, I mean, new addition, but kind of old. How nice was it to see Andre Iguodala back in a Warriors jersey, back with the number nine? It's I mean, the it same looked, style of play. Uh, <laughs> it, looked, it looked right. It was nostalgic. It was heartwarming. He was still just like making the right play and making everything easy for, for everyone else. Breaking not noses. worrying about his own bucket. Yep. <laughs> Breaking a nose or a nose or two. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at, at our, uh, on our bench right now. And if you go Bialica, Iguodala, Porter, JTA, Avery Bradley, and Damian Lee, that's six people off the bench. Yeah. Not, not including Clay Thompson. That's going to be damn near an 11 man rotation. And I'm very comfortable with all those guys playing minutes when it counts. Yeah. I think one thing that Kerr is going to need to eventually figure out is lineups and rotations. There was a, there was a set, and I think I texted you about it when we had Juan, Iguodala, and Bradley on the floor at the same time. And I was just like, that was also, also including like Looney and maybe one other player that Jordan out there or something could have been Jordan Poole. It definitely wasn't like someone we can like look to. And I was like, this can't, you can't sustain this offensively. No, you're going to, you're giving open looks to Iguodala and and Bradley. You just can't do that. So I think the rotations will work themselves out. That's what the preseason is for, but yeah, man, I think if all goes well and we can hopefully like try to find a way to like load manage a few people that are usually injury prone. um, and, And that's when you, you bump in like, Kaminga, you bump in Moody, you bump in Wiseman. Um, like to have that as your, you know, ninth, tenth, eleventh man on the bench of like Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody. Like that's that's the best you can do given everything happening over the offseason. Absolutely, I'm comfortable with the way the team looks as is, and it just puts big fat smile on my face thinking of Wiseman. Clay coming back and us being that much deeper. Like we're a pretty fucking deep team. The more yeah. you look at this roster, for um, sure. a deep team that like all plays the same way for the most part. I think the only person that's going to take a little bit of work working back into the team and the system is James Wiseman. And we know that that's going to be an uphill battle, but uh, it's going to be one that's worth it. I think. I would um, agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the rookies, I mean, we saw a little bit out of Moody and Kaminga. And that's just like it sucks because like we had such a high expectation of Kaminga based off his summer game, but then you see him get on the floor and it's just like, yep, you're 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 very very wrong. And I think and that's that, okay. It's okay. And that being combined with being behind people like Bielita, Iguodala, and Juan T and Porter, it's like you're asking to lose games if you're trying to put Kaminga in front of those guys. I get it. You just can't do it. So it'll be interesting to see how those guys progress. I'm, I'm mainly looking at Kaminga just because, like, he's always been highly touted. He's always been, you know, first, second man. Um, I think Moody will be fine. He seems to be a guy that could get with it. He also seems like one to be lost, to get lost in the mix a little bit. You saw that last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Which is fair. They're both 19 yeah. years old. They're both um, young as hell. We're trying to win championships, so you got to do it. Yeah, and 
Steve Kerr was quoted last night in the, in the uh, or two nights ago in the post game saying, um, you know, those guys are rookies. They're 19. They're going to have to earn those minutes. They're on a team with a bunch of guys that are that. vets. I, I hate that, but I love that. You know? <laughs> I, see, I, I, I love it. And the funny part is he finished it up with a big fat Steve Kerr smirk saying we're chasing wins this year. Mm-hmm. Kind of an ode to last year when management and the fans were yelling at him, calling him to throw in Wiseman and work in the young guy and, no, this year we're chasing wins. The FOMO in me looks at the FOMO in me still looks at players drafted around them, and it's like Book Knight had twenty the other night. Um, yeah. Uh, who else? Scotty Barnes looked good. Scotty I mean, Barnes looked good. Him, um, I'm sure, Davion looked really strong. I don't even want to look at Chris Duarte's stats. Um, <laughs> so just stuff like that. You're always going to be like, we could have used that production. Obviously, it's it's case by case and the Hornets offense is different than ours book night wouldn't have played much last night either um but yeah I mean it's a waiting game we're gonna have to just sort of sit back and wait and let them develop I do like I mean you've already seen like clips of like our coaching staff working with big men Kenny Atkins is going to get up in there and I'm excited about the development we feel like we have a finally like a good staff um I, I mean I would just I'd be lying if I didn't say that I'm not thinking like, damn, I wish we could have had some production out of that seventh pick. Sure. Makes sense. But like you said, it's a waiting game. Yep. Um, but you know, it's not a waiting game anymore. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins got the vaccine. Hey, let's give a, let's give a round of applause for the Canadian for finally seeing the light. Um, he was finally opening up about it and talking about it in the post game. People were asking him pretty much why he did it. And I believe his response was that he felt like he was pretty much forced to do it. Uh, I think it came down to probably the money and not letting down his teammates for the most part. You're not going to forfeit $16 million to not play half the season at home. And I don't think Draymond Green and Steph Curry, although they talk about how much they supported him in media day, I don't think they'd be too pumped if they're starting small forward. Probably their fourth best player on the team just said, nah, I'm not going to play at home. So Um, He was quoted saying, I feel like my only option was to get vaccinated or not play in the NBA. Uh, And then he followed it up with saying, I did have COVID before. It wasn't too bad. Um, Said he had an allergic reaction to medicine a couple of years ago and carries an EpiPen on him. And he doesn't like to put anything unnatural in his body. He was also quoted as saying that he had a bad uh, allergic reaction to Tylenol. So that that also goes into uh, his doubt and uh, pushback, I guess, of the vaccination. But finally, this whole storyline and narrative can be put to bed. We don't have to constantly talk about it. Players don't have to be asked about it. And he's available and ready. Yeah. I mean, all valid reasons. I think, like, I mean, my, like, everybody has different reactions to certain things. I'm not one. I mean, you guys have heard me over the last couple episodes. I am an allergy freak. Um, I mean, those are all valid reasons, and I'm assuming it was around that. But you're still in front of some of the world's best medical professionals. And that combined with you can't just give up $16 million. You're also not too far away from another contract, but so like you need to put yeah. your finances, your career, your profession over a little bit of a literal reaction. 
And hey, man, maybe he got some superpowers. He dunked on Nurkic last, last night. Um, but yeah, it, it's a good thing to put to bed. Like, I, I have a very slow and reluctant clap just because of like, he was high and mighty and, and you know, he did his part in like pushing against it. Caused a lot of distraction. Um, yeah, the league's 95% vaccinated now. So it's a big step up over the last week from sort of like introducing these rules. Um, for the team perspective, like, it's, like you said, it's, it's good to put that piece to bed. Um, we'll hear about it with Kyrie, obviously. We'll, we'll hopefully not spend too much time on him throughout the season. But yeah, good on Wiggins. He came around. Um, but now I have to like watch him be Andrew Wiggins. And so let's just get over that. <laughs> yeah, I thought we got because over that last year. No, I was talking to a, a buddy yesterday and I was just like, I feel like this is where, because this is our third, like the second and a half season of seeing Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. I feel like this is the time where you're going to get like, all right, dude, this is like the all right, dude moment for him. Um, and I feel like I'm with the vaccine stuff. That's where I'm at now, where I'm at a, a very all right, dude with him. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, it's going to play out. Uh, <laughs> but with that being said, next preseason game is tonight. It's going to be against the Nuggets at home, against, uh, excuse me, at the Chase Center. Um, and then we open up the regular season on the 19th of October in L.A. against the Los Angeles Geezers. And that's going to be televised on TNT. So should be a fun regular season opener. Uh, we do have... What do we have? Like four more preseason games, I think. They cut down the, the schedule this year. One, two, three, four. Yeah, we played Denver, two against the Lakers, and then one more against Portland to finish out the preseason. Mm-hmm. Then regular season starts, full steam ahead. I think either shortly after or just in time for the regular season, Wiseman will be back. Will be back. So we will have to kind of struggle through us, uh, reincorporating him to our into our system. Um, and getting him used to this style of ball, which even though it's the same team and a lot of the same players from last year, I think it's going to be a very, very different style of basketball this year. We just saw a lot of it on Monday night. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping the coaching can kind of get him up to speed sooner rather than later on that. Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be really interesting to see how he fits in the mold because he is not the style of play that we're used to with our system. Um, right. And I think that's where it comes into like the coaches getting him to buy in on really just being in the dunker role, high pick and rolls. Um, not very many like ISO plays for him, just really no. playing within the team system and yeah. kind of like getting not running these, these low post plays for, for James Wiseman. Well, exactly. I know he's working on it and he's working on, you know, the touch around the rim. Um, it, it's just not, we're not doing that dude. <laughs> no, that's not what it's going to be. Um, and watching the, the game the other night, it really reminded me of, like, the early Warriors playoff teams as far as, like, the style of play. I don't know if you felt the same, but mm-hmm. what was that, like, 2012 to 2014-15, right before yep. up until, like, we won the chip? The way the ball was moving, like, the rotation, the shooters we had on the floor, like, the fluidity, it really reminded me of those teams. And for me, obviously, like, it was so fun to have KD on the squad and we were just beyond dominant, but those few teams before he got there were probably like the most fun to watch as far as like a basketball perspective because of 
what I, the things I just named, like the ball movement, shit like that. Yeah. And I think like, it's going to be, you're going to have some frustrating nights, but the Knights, I think like their style of play will carry through the season and they got enough shooters. They got enough vets where they can get over slumps for certain players. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very optimistic this year. Love overreacting after one game. Um, so, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Good to be back. Yeah. It pumps some blood through the veins. Um, Hell yeah. And we're fucking ready. <laughs> uh, but that's all I got for hoops, man. So move, moving on, do you have anything else you want to add? Hoops wise? No. I, I think uh, we got some, we got our predictions coming up probably. We'll probably do this next week if the week following that is the. Uh, I think we're already going to be in the season the week after, right? So probably next week. Yeah, so we got next week to do predictions. I got my digits bourbon. We're going to do some live tasting next week. Oh, that's right. Be ready. Scotty Pippen bourbon will be tasted. The unofficial official booze of this podcast will be tasted <laughs> on, on air. Yep. And then uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up uh, Coach Urban Meyer to wrap up today's episode. Do you think he was uh, drinking some digits bourbon? Over the weekend, do you think that's what happened? Why don't you Why don't you give the listeners a little breakdown if they're not familiar with the, the soap opera that happened? So, for those who are not aware of what's been happening, Urban Meyer is a known, most known for a college football head coach, Coach T Bone, Florida, Coach Ohio State. His whole like, I guess, joke or the story behind him is like when he sees another role or opening uh, another job open up, he always sort of finds his way to sort of weasel out of his current state. Um, He's usually baked it. He's usually banked on like health issues around like pretending to like faint on the sideline and this and that, and like blaming his health. And I need to take time off and separate myself from the team. And then like, you know, Florida to Ohio state, Ohio state head coaching job opens up. He's got that fire to, to kind of get back into coaching. Um, so he is currently the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. They stink. They are terrible. Um, but the USC head coach position opened up about two weeks ago. And the second that opened up, everybody online started making jokes about when is Urban Meyer going to start claiming health, claiming, you know, issues with his heart. He needs to step away from football. Um, and then conveniently get back into it to get a job at USC. Little did we know that he is trying a different slant this time around. And so this past weekend, he got caught on camera at a bar in Ohio, and he's sitting on a bar stool, and this, I don't know, 20-ish-year-old girl who's clearly not his wife, who he loves dearly, is kind of just – Timeout. Didn't yeah. they just appear on TV, him and his wife? Didn't they go to his home and he had a coffee table filled with family photos? Oh, he's got pictures of his family like everywhere on top of each other. Yeah. My he is the, the, the <laughs> quintessential, I love my wife. Look how much I do. I love my wife kind of guy. He's the chance to have coaches. Yeah, but that's all a front because he got caught sitting on a bar stool, letting some young girl dance on him as he's like in a Ohio State quarter zip and and buckled and so obviously barstool got on top of it and started making jokes and this and that 
Um, he had to face the music on Monday and he gets up on the podium and he starts talking about how he was out with his family and having a good time. And he got pulled away to this bar and people started dancing on him and he didn't know what to do. And he was, you know, he was ashamed and this and that. Um, and yeah, it's sounding more and more like he's probably, I mean, that he's lost the locker room. He's already probably lost the locker room just based off everything and it's looking like his way to get out of jacksonville is by being a shitty husband and needing to go back and repair his family home and then six months from now he'll get his uh fire inside him and become the head coach of usc um yeah it's the way it works in his world didn't see it coming but it's fucking hilarious that he is just i don't know i i hate urban meyer so like i I, i'm just like doing this again I hate him mainly just because, like, I'm not a big Florida football guy. And then he was coaching at Ohio State when they beat Oregon. Um, so mm. I'm just laughing at this guy's misery, to be honest. I'm just like, <laughs> this this excuse of, like, I was out with my family and I get dragged to the dance floor. And <laughs> I made the mistake of not separating myself and saying no. Like, dude, you had your hand up her ass. Yeah. There's video of, like, the other angle. And he's very clearly, like, inappropriately touching this young girl. I mean, I don't want to say young girl like she's underage, but I mean, she's a lot. She could be his fucking granddaughter, probably. Yeah, it's his daughter. And it's like he's the guy who's like, oh, I'm a family man. My, 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 my wife, Shelly. I don't know how much truth is behind this, but apparently like there is a few pictures going around where like the bar that they are at has pictures of Urban and his wife like celebrating a um, national championship. championship at Ohio State, like like a silhouette of them. I don't believe that, but it'd be unreal if he was doing that in a bar where his him and his wife were plastered. I'm like, dude, you are the worst person. He's, um, he's knee deep up of a, a co-ed's ass and his wife's right behind him staring, all knowing. Yeah, so I think that's his way. I think he's going to find a way out of Jacksonville. They're not good. They, uh, They're terrible. Yeah, he's not um, meant for the NFL and a great job has opened up for him at USC, so... Absolutely. And um, I saw this reported today by a, uh, I think he's a journalist. I think he works at like Sports Illustrated. His name is Mike Silver. I don't know if you saw this tweet thread, but he said uh, the Urban Meyer situation in Jacksonville has reached a crisis point, especially in the locker room. One player told me he has zero credibility in that stadium. He had very little to begin with. Players were particularly put off by the fact that Meyer canceled Monday's team meeting as he dealt with the uproar over the videos of him and a young woman getting cozy in in an Ohio bar. And then in quotes, he even canceled the team meeting. He was too scared, a player Mm -hmm. said. Instead, Meyer only apologized to position groups individually. He portrayed the woman in the videos as a random person who was just there dancing. Suffice to say, his audience was highly skeptical. Said one player, we looked at him like, what the fuck? Right when he left, everyone started dying laughing, and he knew it. Bottom line, said the player, it's bad. I don't know how he's going to function. So Lost the locker room. Lost the locker room, just like you said. (laughs) Uh, Funny timing, two weeks after USC vacancy opens up. And yeah, he's probably going to do the Urban Meyer thing, and his house of cards is falling, and he's getting the fuck out of there. I think if they... Assuming he makes it through this week, um, I don't look at who Jacksonville plays. Whoever they play this week, they have 
Um, Titans. They're playing the Titans this Sunday. If they so get blown out, if they lose, I think he resigns. They're on four. Um, it, I mean, we already knew he lost the locker room. Yeah. He seems like the type of guy to come in. He's already had anger issues as a coach, which is why his like heart stuff and health comes into play. Oh, that's right. He's just screaming and berating at his, <laughs> his berating his players until he like faints. Um, he's a piece of shit, man. He's a piece of shit, and so like it's it's just perfect. You just hate to see it for those Ohio. Poor State Trevor fans. Lawrence. I feel bad for him, but hopefully yeah. he'll be freed of the urban uh, virus soon, and maybe somebody else will come in and take the reins. I thought they'd be kind of fun to watch with him, but I mean, rookie quarterbacks, you never really know. And they're definitely not going to be winning with uh, that goon <laughs> behind the clipboard. You just what a trash person, man. You just hate to see it. And then he's going to get hired by USC, which is why they haven't hired anybody just yet. They're just waiting for Urban to oh, for sure. next week to, to spend time with his family, blah, 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 all that shit. So, are, are you that was hilarious. Are you as an Oregon fan shaking in your boots if he gets to USC and he just runs the Pac-12? No, I mean, I'm still licking my wounds from last week against losing to Stanford. Um, sure. I don't. I mean, USC has the brand name, but um, nah, if he goes to USC, I'm not too worried. Yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm not worried. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'll say that now and then. You know, in two years when we gotta get gotta play against USC, we get blown out, and I'll be sitting here on this pod bitching Urban and moaning Meyer. about how I was losing to Urban. But yeah. at the moment, no, I'm not. Then you're gonna be cursing that girl in the bar because she sparked it all. God damn it, Susan! No, <laughs> <laughs> Susie Q. Um, nice man. Well, we had a beautiful Warriors update. We had some good uh, sports goss for the people. Our favorite two things. And I think that's going to do it for this week. So shout out to everybody for, for listening and uh, tuning in every week and the support. And uh, yeah, man, you, you want to take us out, Al? Yeah, appreciate you guys for the support. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Take it easy. Go Warriors. Go Warriors.